listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. My name is Elena Ciccatelli, an award-winning automotive executive, and I'm so excited to introduce you to some of the most dynamic thought leaders the EV economy has to offer. Listen in on honest conversations I have with the leading electric vehicle experts and uncover critical insights that will help you jump ahead and stay there. The electrification race is officially on, and these conversations have never been more important. So whether you're an automotive executive or just an EV enthusiast, this is the podcast for you. Let's get started. Mickey Anderson, President and CEO of Baxter Auto Group, thank you so much for being here and for agreeing to, to do an episode today. It is really my pleasure. This is one of my favorite topics, and I'm, I'm honored to be here. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to have a good conversation. I also have my co-host here, the infamous John Passamato, who's had uh, many appearances on the show. So, say hi. I'm elevated to co-host. I like that. I feel <laughs> been promoted. You've, you've been promoted to co-host. All right. Excellent. So, um, I'm going to start off with a really tough question. Okay. I want you to put some real, real thought into this one. Okay. It's... Uh, what was the car that was in your driveway as a teenager versus what is your car that's in your driveway now? Oh, boy. <laughs> so the car that was in my teen, uh, when I was a teenager, my father was a, a sales manager in a car dealership. So it changed. It was whatever what kind of the, like the newest Plymouth or Chrysler that was out we, we always had, which nice. was not necessarily a status symbol, <laughs> but... but we were happy. Um, today, I have six kids, so the car that is in the driveway is um, we uh, we drive a Sprinter. My wife drives a Sprinter. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And I um, currently I'm driving a, a Ford Expedition, so yeah. we can get to all of our various um, all, all the games activities. and all the activities. Yeah. A Sprinter. That's efficient, though. It it makes sense. We can drive all of our kids in carpool, and it's amazing. And I guess it makes going to Costco a little easier. It does, and you know, if we, we stop at the wrong place, people may try and board. It looks a little bit like an airport shuttle, but but it, it works really well it right now. It works out well. It works out well. No, I love it. And that so Vegas has been treating you well, and ADA going well so far. Yes. Day two. Yes. Yeah. So glad we're like meeting in person again, and like everybody's here, so it's great. I know. It's always great. It's great to meet in person. And again, thank you for agreeing to do this in person. Loved what you had to say on the Asoto podcast, but for folks that um, would love to talk a little bit more about so the the letter that was written to, to President Biden with the um, EV voice of the customer dot com right where we have all uh, forty seven hundred and yeah. counting and and going going up and going yeah. up you know what is the letter about um, regarding kind of hitting the brake on EV mandate. Um, from your perspective and kind of the impetus behind uh, what what that letter is? Well, I'll back up and, and yeah. start a little bit with, if you take a look at the industry, and certainly I, I can, I'll speak for myself and I can tell you what was going on in the industry. If you go to yeah. 2019, 2020, the dealers were um, really pushing the manufacturers hard for EVs. We saw customers preferring EVs, and again, you know, at that time it was we're talking three, four percent, but you could see it, and we're starting to lose customers yeah. to uh, primarily Tesla at that time, mm-hmm. and and but we could see that growing consideration, and yeah. you know, sure enough, between 21 and 23, the number of people buying an EV doubled, 
Um, it's still a small number in, at an absolute level, but like, you know, almost 8% of the people bought an EV. Yeah. We wanted to participate in that. We didn't want it to be just for Rivian and just for Tesla. So, the, so we were pushing our manufacturers hard to build those EVs because we knew there was some demand. What ended up happening is, is all the manufacturers kind of weighed in with some really incredible product. Um, supply started to exceed demand. And when we went back to our manufacturers and said, okay, like, so right now we need a, a few, some fewer EVs. We're, we're seeing a lot of demand for hybrids and for plug-in hybrids. Like people, um, people care and they want to make a better purchasing decision. It was at that point that we kind of became aware that the manufacturers were responding somewhat to our demands, mm-hmm. but maybe really longer term they were responding to this EPA mandate. The letter was really a response to say, um, we agree with the direction. It was really the speed of adoption that we saw as disconnected to what our customers are telling us. What are you kind of seeing on the front lines there? Well, the good news is this. Um, Tesla, as kind of a first mover, has done a great job of exposing this technology to people. And, you know, led by such a dynamic leader <laughs> like Elon, I mean, that's been good for the industry and it's been good yeah. for adoption. And I think it's really helped to kind of get the message of kind of the idea of an electrified um, uh, mobility option yeah. uh, out there. So I, I wouldn't say that there's any objection to the technology. Mm-hmm. I don't see anybody pushing back. What we do encounter all the time is, for a lot of reasons, this is not the right purchase for me right now. Mm-hmm. Now, currently, a lot of it goes to cost. So these are right. very expensive vehicles. Right, yep. Um, probably the second thing that is really um, oh, impacting EV adoption would be just infrastructure. Where can I charge it? Some of that goes to maybe um, a change in mindset. People are so habituated yeah. to right. go to the you know, right. gas and yeah. fill there up. Is, and yeah. I, yeah, I know exactly. how my life works. I know yeah. that's my that's my convenience store. That's where I gas up. So these products are remarkable. Generally, we see customers wanting them, but the adoption is going to be just a bit slower than what maybe the mandate is requiring production to be. What is the volume at which they're well, proposing? So <laughs> I'm sure, like with all... Um, I'm sure there's complexity, yeah, necessary right. complexity. Right, right. But generally, yep. it, it, it is, it's saying that by 2030, yep. really about two-thirds of all new cars manufactured would have to be all electric to meet the carbon reduction standards. And by 2032, that would go up to um, like closer to like 70%. Okay. Yeah. And that's, yeah. So it's, and you have to remember... Um, if the uh, Food and Drug Administration came out and told uh, McDonald's, you have to start uh, making so many you know, vegan sandwiches, right. customers could, could still come in and choose a hamburger or right. a vegan option. Yeah, yeah. But, if, but this yeah. is different. They're saying you can't build internal combustion engines. Yeah. And you must build. So that's an entirely different animal. It's, it's, mm. it's forcing a uh, very limited options on the consumer. Yeah. And one of the hidden dangers there, if you think about it from an um, American consumer's perspective, is the danger to the working class American family. Um, right now, it's the facts are that EVs are bought largely as more of a luxury purchase by wealthy people right. who have multiple cars at home. That's just a fact. 
that'll change. But right now, the working class family still needs that used minivan to get around town. Um, up to half of all Americans don't have a garage. So then that creates some concerns about how will I honestly use this? Can I get to my job? Can I get my kids to their doctor's appointment? Right. Those right. are all real concerns. Yeah. As we eliminate internal combustion engines today, there's going to be fewer internal combustion engines available as used cars in the, the near future. So there's a lot of potential consequences that just need to be kind of thought through. Now, now that the the, tr- the proverbial train has left the station, now collaboration with with OEMs and other kind of people around the table is more critical, really, than ever, right? For these open dialogues to happen. 100%. Yeah. So, Elena, yeah. in starting with like what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, truly. So a lot of it is just education. And, yeah, and understanding. And uh, you know, you have to remember, for the dealer to educate someone, someone had to come to the dealership to ask about an EV. Right, right, exactly. They're already yeah. there. They've yeah. they've watched the podcast. They've done whatever. Yeah. They've um, listened to this podcast. They have. <laughs> and, and they're like, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. But, but, I mean, yeah. truly, um, right. so that's a piece of it when you talk about collaboration. The, I think the great news here is... Um, everybody from government, OEMs, uh, and, and all of us on the retail side, including the consumer, we're all committed to reducing carbon and a cleaner environment. What we're really working on right now is the rate of change that brings the most people around, along, that eliminates the most carbon now, and in the future. Yeah. And that probably looks like something that has a blend of technology. Now, I hate to pull you away from this absolutely riveting conversation right now, but I just wanted to sneak in here to tell you more about this episode's sponsor, Drive It Away. If you're a franchise dealer and you're just, I don't know, a smidgeny bit worried about moving your EV inventory this year, and you want an easy alternative to get more customers bought, you have to go and check out Drive It Away's dealer program, where you can utilize their subscription to ownership model. Yes, this does actually exist. So if you're looking to move more EVs off your lot this year, head on over to driveitaway.com slash dealers. That's driveitaway.com slash dealers. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And back to what you were saying about the affordability. John, I'm sorry I didn't give you a chance to ask a question. No. I was gonna, my question was to be around affordability. And I imagine your question will also be around affordability. Well, maybe I'm better without the microphone. <laughs> yeah. um, the key thing of affordability and what you mentioned about really EVs to date have been to the affluent, right? We know Mary Barra a year ago, so like 98% of the people that buy EVs are affluent, and 98% own at least two other cars in the car park. I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the stat that just came out that about 20% of California's EVs, and it's flattening, right? And if you look at the stats, up 20% of California are affluent, right? And so, you know, I, I think the letter, I mean, I'm a big proponent of EVs, but the fact of the matter is, right, um, they're a product for the affluent right now, right? And as you said, affordability for ICE units just isn't there, right? That a mandate for manufacture can't be a mandate for consumer and that's where the uh, that's where the disconnect is John so that's perfectly said like for this to really work 
there needs to be a consumer mandate, yeah. which would be horrible. So, yeah. so Ford, yeah. you're going to build two thirds of your cars are going to be electric, and consumer, you're going to buy those cars. Well, you, that's just not realistic. Well, and the dealers in the middle. I mean, as, a, as, a, as an old Chrysler dude, I was going to ask you what you thought about, you know, the Cordoba Corinthian leather, but, but I'll save that one. Right? Is, look, the manufacturing manufacture these cars under mandate, right? There is no consumer mandate. Where are these cars going to sit? Yeah. And who's going to foot the bill, yeah. right? And, and that's the, the real crux of the letter. It's like, look, you know, you've got to at least match the consumer desirability and the evolution of the product. I mean, I, I would think that if there's a $25,000 good EV out there, you'd want all you could get, right? Because yes. it'd be cheaper than an ICE unit, but it just isn't there yet, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, John, that's so well said, but that's a part of it. The reality is for a lot of Americans, if you gave them an EV, they couldn't accept it. Because they don't have a garage, because they're, you know, because they're somewhere like the part of the world that where I do business in, in Nebraska, Kansas, Wisconsin, Colorado, um, where the the infrastructure is just very, very sparse. It's just un, undeveloped today. Fast forward to when all those infrastructure investments are made, it changes this whole dynamic. When I know that I can I can access charging stations reliably without anxiety, um, you would see adoption. So it is expense for sure. There, that's a, a very, very clear hurdle we gotta get past. But it's just, it's more than that. We have stores in Colorado and um, it, you know, of the five and a half million people that live in Colorado, I think like four and a half live on the um, eastern slope. And, you know, on, it used to be Friday afternoon. I think it's like Thursday afternoon now. Everybody heads into the mountains. <laughs> That's why they moved to Colorado. And you can get stalled up there if there's, you know, one truck jackknives, if, if, a, if a blizzard rolls in. And it would be a disaster if we had a whole bunch of EVs idling in the cold, in the dark, waiting for that snowstorm to be cleared with no clear way to, to charge. So those logistical issues, like that one won't ever go away. Or maybe there's a mobile EV charging <laughs> company that comes in, you know, to be like, yeah. And so, but these are, again, these are all things that need to be talked about and discussed. And there's a ton of smart people in our industry that are solving problems. And that's why I'm always so drawn to the automotive industry because it's just this, this giant ecosystem of problem solvers, yeah. right? So we'll yeah. figure it out, Yeah, you and know? We'll, and we'll follow the customer wants it. That's the best yeah, part. And exactly. we'll follow the customer like we always do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Just looking at the website, which is called evvoiceofthecustomer.com. I'll put that into the show notes if anyone wants to go and check it out. I mean, it says it right there in the URL, voice of the customer. So that's... Again, to your point, what right. you're really driving at. Right. The, you know, the dealers, I think it's really very important to, to emphasize. The dealers, um, some of us are maybe a little, have more of a, a, a green agenda than others. That's fair. But we're, we're typically, we're neither pro-EV or anti-EV any more than we are pro-red 
or anti-black as a color. <laughs> like yeah. our our business, our joy is to deliver to customers what what it is that they want to buy, and our manufacturers are making amazing products. Um, and and we do see demand growing. Yeah. Demand is highest right now for hybrids. Yeah. They're the most useful and the most uh, affordable. Yeah. Plug-in hybrids would be kind of second in terms of what are we hearing from our customers that they really would prefer to, to buy because that really does give you the best of both worlds. Right. I can be all EV like Monday through Friday, and then um, Saturday Sunday when I'm you know taking my kids to their you know travel volleyball. Um, I can go. I don't need a different car. That one car does it all. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, there's lots of people that love the EV. So, yeah. room for all three. I mean, to be continued, right? I mean, this is this is just one chapter. I feel like, and in a very long novel. <laughs> well, someday we'll reflect on this and we'll go. Remember yeah. how hard that that transition remember? was. Like, that's right. Yeah. But it's going to be right. just a. It's a period in time. Right. And the only thing that could be really. Um, really, uh, uh, at this point, damaging would be if the manufacturers are forced to build a, a products that there is no demand for. Right. That's the only thing that's not solvable in the near term. Right. No, that's that's the perfect note to end on. Actually, no, the perfect note to end on is we're in Vegas. Right on. And I have to ask you, are you a gambler? Uh, I'm not a gambler. <laughs> no, so you're not going to be visiting the the blackjack table or any of that later. You know what? I think selling cars just got enough risk. I was saying the gambler. Right. Yeah. I was going to at the tables. I know. I was like, maybe that was the the wrong way to frame the question, but. Um, but I now I won't bet. But I will tell you this. Tell me. The Chiefs are going to win. Go oh, Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that was going to be my other question, right? Obviously, you'd be rooting for the Chiefs, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, the, all the Swifties will be there in force. For sure. Where everyone will be there. The Chiefs are, like, open for business. There's room for everyone. So let's go. Absolutely. I know. It's so funny. I mean, Super Bowl is going to be here in, in a week. So, yep. you know, we're, we're getting out of Dodge just in time. Yes. Yes. But, Nikki, thank you so much for your time. I love this conversation. Conversation. I love that you're willing to be on this podcast, and I'm just excited to look forward to what you're doing. Okay, for sure, and thank you so much for coming to this. But now, the deal is, we get another podcast to discuss the 1990 Chrysler Fifth Avenue. So, oh, John, yes, so John yes, yes. That's our next podcast. Okay, that's the next episode. I know, I, I, uh, I did not inform the audience that both John and Mickey started off as Chrysler Plymouth dealers. So, And, and, and the Fifth Avenue, remember? They were always going to cancel it the next year, and it stayed around for it decades. Did. It did. It did. Yes. Yeah. There, that's well. All that's right. the long and sordid tale. Thank you, Mickey. Yeah. Awesome. They got like 12 miles to the gallon talking about fuel. Okay, okay, we're done. cars. Okay, we're done. The episode's <laughs> over. It's over. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the EVs for Everyone podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe to the show and leave a five-star review with a comment. We read every single comment, so thank you in advance. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode or you would like to be a guest on the show, go to EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. That's EVs, the number four, everyone.com slash contact. Until next time, keep charging forward. Thank you.